Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code TSFS. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code TSFS. Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to ViaHemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I I say, look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God. Well, thank you for doing our show. You're like the the sexpert of all podcasts. Like you're not a podcaster. If they have, you haven't had you on, you're like amazing. <laughs> I don't need my own podcast. I love talking to other people about this. So this is great. I know. Do people ask you that all the time? Because we actually did get a listener that said, oh, is she going to come out with her own podcast? Any chance of that? I do get that a lot. I do get that a lot. Never say never. I mean, I had no idea I was going to be on TV like a year and a half ago. So uh, for sure, never say never. So you are one of the experts from Married at First Sight that puts these couples together, right? And you're, you're a physical intimacy coach, sexpert, doctor in relationships. Um, and I actually, AJ and I think had read that, did you get your job because Dr. Jessica ended up being with one of the, the former like um, contestants on Married at First Sight or I guess people so um there was an opening that became available and i had already been talking to the production company their amazing kinetic content and because i'd already had that relationship with them and i was so fortunate to be kind of a top runner for that spot when it opened up amazing got it yeah because that's a whole crazy story in itself i mean she didn't and aside from you not having anything to do with your job dr jessica it was that controversial because i feel like it was like what a great love story she ends up with john francetti or whatever from the show i've never met either one of them so i don't i don't know what's what happened or what's going on with them i know that they seem happy um the couples that you know, come from the show, however they came from the show, they all seem really happy. So that's kind of where I focus. Um, But I don't know them. I don't know them. I know that she um, was a fan favorite. So definitely it was controversial that she was no longer on the show. 
But as far as why and how, that's still very nebulous and like gray area. Okay, no problem. We'll call oh. the producers. We'll get that. We'll, <laughs> we won't dig to for you about it. We'll call the producers. We're like, we want the scoop on that story too. Um, because Married at First Sight is such a controversial show. Like people love following all the couples. Obviously, you know, Amber Bowles, we've had her on. We've had other oh, members. Oh, she's amazing. I'm so... Fa- Season nine, season 10, season 11. We're so fortunate to have such wonderful people that we've met through it. And Amber is right. just, ugh, she's just one of my faves. Yeah, absolutely. I know she's so, she is, she's great. And, but you must get, do you get a lot of heat? I know it's a team that puts yeah. these couples together. I mean, for the most part, none of them seem to work, but I mean, that's sort of understandable because it's like you're married at first. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we have, any couples who are happily married to this day, um, whether they're from season one or beyond, it still blows my mind because that means that their hearts must be so open. Their their brains must be so open. Like these people must be so open and ready to marry a stranger, a complete stranger. And then Okay, so let's say that happens because arranged marriage isn't like this brand new thing. It's not like we invented it. Right. But to have it happen under the circumstances that they're under and then the scrutiny of like now an international audience, it just blows my mind that they don't crumble under it. I'm so glad, but I'm just... It blows my mind. So for you, because obviously, I mean, you counsel couples outside of the show and and then on the show. It's not surprising that a small percentage works out, right? Because, I mean, even under the best of circumstances of getting to know someone for three years, I mean, it's hard to make a relationship work. (laughs) Yes. Right. I mean, most couples crash and burn within the first two years. So it's, um, it's likely that if we have the right people, that they will be compatible, that they will be able to work things out. We do guide them through the process. I can't say that it's counseling just because I know what counseling is because I do it every day, you know, as my real job. Uh, This is my like project. This is, you know, this is my uh, kind of nighttime thing. No, um, I know what that's like. And it's just so different from this, but it's not that it's less than it, what we do with them. It's just so condensed and concentrated and we hop in and out. Um, so it's very different than having an actual long-term relationship with a psychotherapist. And, you know, fortunately when we get people who follow our advice, they tend to do much better than those who kind of go rogue. But even then, love prevails at times and you're like how did these couples stay together when they you know really went through so much break it down for us what do you guys look for what's the process like when you're selecting couples and you know the men get a bad rep we always often think the men are like sociopaths right sarah we're like what is this guy i feel like the men walk away from these shows totally scarred it's like this guy's a narcissist this guy's a sociopath yeah. So break it down and then we'll ask you, you know, what your take is if they truly are that. Yeah. yeah. So what we do is during the casting process, which of course this is a TV show, so they use that, right? This is the term right. that they use. Right. We have only people who have truly done what it takes to actually be a participant and be in front of us to even be considered. Um And what that might look like is going through months of phone calls with production, Skype with production, applications that are that take hours, questionnaires that are very, very in depth. I mean, these questionnaires make you think. And that's funny because a lot of the people who go through the casting process will say, goodness, I've learned so much about myself. I think that I will feel more confident going into my next relationship, even if it's not through the show. Um, because they do have to learn so much about themselves. We ask them to really be introspective. And then we're meeting with their family. We're meeting with their friends, their best friends, best family, right? Like the closest people. You know, a lot of times people want us to meet up with their exes. I don't know about y'all, but I don't know that my exes would be the best um, voucher. You know, like... (laughs) They're going to make me sound like a crazy person. (laughs) No, I would love that. I say to AJ all the time, I want, like, our exes to come back on the show and, like, for us to talk about them and for, like, our audience to rate them. I think that probably wouldn't go over well, Well, but... It really takes a lot because you have to really judge people's intentions throughout all of this. Yeah. And we are not mind readers. And, you know, as much as um, we'd love to be human lie detectors and even 
you know, they actually do have to, uh, the whole lie detector thing is there. Um, but, you know, going through us, we don't know exactly what's happening. And, and what we take into account is what we feel in the room with them, because we do do home visits, we meet them in person, and take into account everyone's experience with them. Because who they are when they're with me is different when they are with Dr. Pepper, different when they're with Pastor wow. Cal. So, and with production and with casting, and you know, there's just a whole lot of different facets to them. So we take that all into consideration. But what we're always looking for is people who are willing to be genuine. Genuine doesn't have to mean perfect. Right. Genuine doesn't have to be happy-go-lucky all the time or saying all the right things, because guess what? We want somebody to match someone else, right? This is all about the matches. This is not about individuals. Sarah, I might see you and love you and think, oh my gosh, she is so ready for this. She's so ready for marriage. I want to find her love. And then we have Andrea and I'm like, oh, Andrea, I really, really like her. She's amazing. But if we can't find matches for the two of you, then it's not going to happen for either one of you or for the other guys. So that's the kind of thing where a lot of people are thinking, gosh, this person is so great. Why didn't we just put them with that? It doesn't work that way. There's so many deal breakers. I mean, y'all, yeah. it is it is exhausting. <laughs> I, I have my gray hairs because, you know, going through this is not wow. the easiest thing. And it takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot out of us because there's a lot of pressure and we are always yes. so disappointed and so sad when it doesn't work out. Right. Um, You're invested you know, in it. Oh my gosh, we are absolutely yeah. invested for months and even years because I'm still invested in my first season nine couples wow. and the people who didn't make it. I follow up with them. I'm, I mean, you know, we talk about what's going on with their relationships now, but it is, it's, it's tough. It's, well, and I mean, uh, you know, the, the other thing too, which obviously is not your department and not your fault is they're trying to create great television. So, you know, I mean, you have this combo of you guys genuinely interviewing people, lie detector tests, going to their family. You do everything you're, that's, you're supposed to do, but at the same time, you're like, okay, the producers have to create great TV. So there's a lot of factors for sure. And I think people don't. Well, what I love about, about Right. And what I love about kinetic content is that they are not manufacturing drama. They just know how to tell a great story that's riveting, that's full of ups and downs, that has turns and twists based off of what they've been given. Because, you know, they're they're recording with these couples, with each of our five couples for at least 40 hours a week. That's a lot of content. And they do such a good job of really making it something that you want to tune into every week, but they don't make it up. Like there's no, right. okay, now you need to say this. And now you are going to go to this person's house and say this and didn't know. I mean, as you know, I'm sure relationships are dramatic enough. Marriage is dramatic enough. And then to do it with two strangers on TV over the course of eight weeks, whew, that's enough drama. <laughs> some couples since you have started the show that you've been truly disappointed? I know you said every couple, but are there a couple that have stood out to you that you're like, wow, I really thought they were going to work and this has imploded? <laughs> like what? Absolutely. Um, one of the first couples that I can think of are, and this is super controversial and people are going to DM me and all sorts of stuff. But from what I know, and from what I know as an insider, as an expert, as all that good stuff that, um, that I'm fortunate enough to be able to do on the show. I think that Keith and Iris from season nine had a yep. real shot and the tears and the gasp of disappointment at decision day when, you know, Keith decided he no longer wanted to be in the marriage. That was absolutely genuine. It hurt me um, to the core to think that they weren't going to be able to do you know, what we would hope they would do, even if it took a little bit more time to get there. And actually, you know, we're always encouraging our couples during and after the experience to get the counseling that Kinetic Content provides as far as they provide funds for that um, in, in their local area, wherever we go. I was really hoping that they would take advantage of that and get some guidance because there was some really good stuff there. Oh, yes. yes. That And what about, I mean, there must be two moments, even though you go through all the research, you meet family members, and I'm sure amongst the team, right, putting these couples together, you guys probably have disagreements. Was there a couple? <laughs> it sounds like, yeah, I'm sure. What was it? What was a couple that was put together where you said, guys, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea? Oh, gosh, I cannot, I can't even tell you that because... 
by the time I may have felt very strongly against a couple against a match um, early on in the process. But then as we get more and more information from the other experts, from production, from family, from all that, you start to warm up to the idea and you start to look for potential and, and you start to kind of forecast what could happen. And so by the time that we actually pick the couple, we are all in agreement that this is a couple that has potential and that ha- can go, you know, the long term. Oh. Um, so I can't say there, that there's been a couple where I'm like, no way stop this. This is not okay. We're going to do harm here. Um, because if that were the case, there's no way they would ever make it on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Cause I wondered like, yeah, how much collective decision-making you guys all have, but sounds like you've got to be in agreement if they're going to be a, a couple on the show. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And y- you'll find like whenever we do matchmaking specials, that's when, you know, we film those matchmaking specials over the course of like three or four hours. And of course they only show, certain, you know, just very small clips of our discussions, but we've been discussing these couples and these matches for months at that point. So we're just giving you a snapshot as to what we've been talking about in the background over lunch, over dinner, over late night dinner, um, just over the phone, all this stuff. And, and sometimes you'll, you'll hear us, you know, kind of talking about, uh, I'm a little hesitant about this person, but because of this, I think it could work. And you have to remember, we're not the ones that have to marry them. Right. So we may not we may not personally be attracted to a certain personality or a certain look or a certain, you know, whatever, but we're trying to find somebody else who we think truly will just like match right there. Uh, oh, AJ, go ahead. It's interesting. Do you ever think there's any contestants that want to go on a show like this for fame or through all the testing? Do you think they're actually legitimate? So <laughs> do I think that people want to go on this for fame? Um, I mean, I'd be naive to say that. No, I mean, it's becoming more and more popular. So that's something that we actually, it's like an uphill battle is trying to weed out those people. Mm -hmm. But what's funny is the process that they have to go through is so intense, so rigorous, so invasive, so annoying, so time consuming that we make it to where you kind of have to be wanting this if you if you go through this now some people are willing to do whatever i guess because we've had some people that were like oh my gosh these people's intentions like we were off and it doesn't happen often thank goodness and i think it's for those reasons but yeah i mean for sure i'd be nice to say that i i think lots of people hear about the show now like oh my gosh i want to be famous (laughs) this is not the show to become famous because you'll become infamous you'll become those people who are like don't be like that person. And then yeah. it messes you up for future relationship potential. I bet right. a lot of examples. Well, and we brought up our girl, Amber Bowles, who we love in yes. Matt. How do you feel about that? Were you surprised when that broke down? And certainly Matt has to be a person. I mean, he's gotten a lot of backlash. So I've got to imagine that guy trying to date now. It's like, it can't be. He, um, must, he needs to be in therapy real with hard. you. Yeah. Okay. So this is the thing about what I feel about the whole Matt and Amber thing. They, if he had been who we thought he was and who everyone thought he was, I think it would have been off the charts. I think it would have been hot. I think it would have been nice. I think it would have been all those things. I think that what a lot of people don't realize is that if you are way too into physical attraction, being like a huge, you know, motivator in a relationship, this is not the show for you. You are marrying right. somebody without looking at them. Like, right. Why would you do this? Why would you even try out for this? I personally think that that's probably where the breakdown was. And instead of being mature enough to like work through that as past couples have, or to get help and say like, I'm really struggling with physical attraction here. That's what I think. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know for sure, but that's what I think happened. And it happens often in, in this in this experiment part. That's part of the experiment is not knowing what the outcome is going to be. But I think that if he had really worked on trying to become really emotionally and then, you know, going forward physically attracted to Amber, that would have been different. But instead, he just completely checked out. Yeah, like, yeah, right, right. Yeah, completely yeah, like, checked out. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what do you think you're doing? Like, this is not what this is all about. So if anything, he's a cautionary tale. 
don't come to this if you are all about physical attraction and that is the number one motivator for love. <laughs> Hello. I mean, it's I all, it's in the name. It's she, in the name of the show. I do not going to I know. married at first sight, right? <laughs> She's a yeah. good looking girl too. That was that was wild. Um, well, yeah. obviously, you know, your day job is that you're an intimacy therapist as well. You yeah. see couples. And I love reading on your social media. There's a lot of great kind of topics around relationships that you deal with. And one of them that I wanted you to elaborate on was how helicopter parenting affects, you know, dating life and sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Our audience, mostly female, half are single, half are in relationships, but I think a lot grew up with helicopter parents. Tell us, and including Andrea, yes. give us more detail about this. I like this theory. Yeah, so I, I think that what's happening is that if you are a helicopter parent, you are training your child to believe that their needs can be preempted by someone else. Oh my God. Well, guess what? <laughs> this is so oh spot on. AJ, get Carol up here. AC, I'm, I'm like tearing up because I have talks with my boyfriend all the time about how my needs are so important. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. This is really no, good. No, and, and that's the thing. If you're, so then you're then training somebody to only be satisfied and get their needs met by a person who can preemptively you know, take care of their needs, who can um, predict what they want, who are there before, who can almost experience your feelings for you and tidy it all up and create solutions. And if that doesn't happen, which, hey, surprise, that doesn't happen typically um, because we're not robots and we can't anticipate each other's needs like that, then they're like, okay, this isn't right. This isn't the right one for me. And then before you know it, you've got you're trying the next right person and the next right person. And it just, you know, you're just moving through. Um. Wow. Okay. So, <sighs> and yeah, that's like amazing, right? Because I, I feel like yeah. a lot of people are now growing up with helicopter parents and it has mm-hmm. to make relationships so difficult. Yeah. I, well, I think that the, the best thing, because obviously the intention is to protect. And what I love about what I love about the intention behind some helicopter parents is that they're not just trying to protect them physically, they're trying to protect them psychologically and emotionally, mm-hmm. which is just as important. Um, but the way that they're doing it needs to wean, right? Like as somebody becomes more independent, which is something that a lot of helicopter parents don't focus on is this creating a person who, this being who is an independent individual and who's an independent thinker, I mean, that's ultimately what we want, right. at, at least in my opinion, in a relationship is to have an independent thinker show up and, and do well with another independent thinker. But what they're teaching them is, I can do everything for you. I will catch you when you fall every time. I will create this you know, huge mattress worth of cushion for you. And then they don't know how to grieve. They don't know how to deal with loss. They don't know how to deal with disappointment. And it's really unnerving for their partner. Oh, definitely. Yes, that is is so, so good. Yeah. Now, my mom had very little affection when she was growing up. So I think for me, she overdoes it. And so I always need my boyfriend to be affirming me and to be whenever I'm sad I'm like what where was my where was my text like are you feeling okay and you're you're spot on uh, follow up question if I know so like we took the love language test right and I and my my boyfriend and I have very different love languages mine obviously is words of affirmation <laughs> and touch and his I think is acts of service so how do you work through having different love languages and and uh, rewiring your brain to understand when they're showing you love and vice versa yeah it's not the easiest thing to to learn any new language but much right. less to to learn and then speak someone else's love language mm-hmm. um I think the if you can kind of break it down, if you're trying to conserve as much energy, which is, I think, the whole point of the love language is to be able to say, I know where the dartboard is and I know where your bullseye is. So I'm just going to focus on that instead of trying to, like, you know, make everything work. I would say if you can only speak that love language once or twice a day, you should be good. Like, if you don't try to do it all 
don't, I mean, you can, all of the things are nice. It's not like if somebody gives you a gift and your love language is not receiving gifts, you're going to be like, oh, gross. <laughs> it's, it's just that it doesn't make you feel like oh, all warm inside and feel loved and feel cared yes. for. It's just like, well, that's nice. Um, and I mm -hmm. think you should always be appreciative of whatever love language is being spoken to you, but talk with your partner about how it looks to speak your love language, give them actual examples of that. So it's important that we know our own in order to do that. And then try to, you know, maybe work on speaking at, you know, once or twice a day. Um, okay. It shouldn't be a week. Everybody needs to feel loved in a relationship daily. Yeah. You don't want to have that in question. Thank you. <laughs> um, go, I, there's a couple other themes that are really fascinating that you talk about. Um, financial infidelity. You And you say, uh, you know, I think actually it was a study that was done, something like 60% of people are practicing some sort of financial infidelity, which essentially means you're keeping a bank account, a credit card, something from your significant other that they don't know about. Or you're lying about the amount of money that you're spending on things. Um, you're lying about the amount of debt that you have. It, it's not all just hidden accounts, which, you know, sometimes that can be a good thing, I think, to have accounts that you're like, this is the money that I'm going to use in order to fulfill this goal. If you have a goal of, you know, creating, but it doesn't have to be a secret. That's the problem. You can have privacy, but secrecy is another thing. Secrecy creates boundaries and, that, and walls up between you and your partner. God, that's so, so hard. That's different. I, I have a girlfriend who has been with a guy for three years. I mean, they got a ton of issues, but one of them is, <laughs> one of them is, she keeps a secret bank account from him because if he knows that she has money, he's terrible with money. So he, if he knows she has any money, he will sort of work on her psychologically until she gives him the money, right? So it's easier for her to just store five grand and not and tell him she has nothing. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're doing that, I've got to assume, obviously, it is very hard to continue to build a long-term relationship, right? If you've got things like that going? Yeah. If you feel like you can't trust your partner, isn't going to manipulate you into doing something that's negative or even detrimental to the relationship, right. you need help. Yeah. I mean, like there's, you got to get some help with that because um, if you feel like your partner will manipulate you into putting your finances at risk, that's, that's too big of a deal. That's almost like if somebody was to say, you know, oh, they're secretly poisoning me. I mean, you, yeah, you can't right. do that. It's it's toxic. It's very toxic. What do you tell couples that come to see you though that end up finding out? Let's say they got they've been married for two years, they've been together for four, and then come to find out he really does have. You know, he says he had twenty thousand in debt, but to be honest, he's really got fifty grand. How do people yeah. work through that and then retrust? Yeah. So the first thing would to be to break down why it wasn't shared to begin with and what the concerns were. Um, I'm very careful to not let the person, the perpetrator, so to say, quote unquote, um, blame the person who was lied to. Mm -hmm. um, but it can help to give you some insight as to why they didn't share openly to begin with. Right. What I have found is that with people who, who didn't share it from the beginning, it's like, then it just adds up and adds up. And it's that like, growing pile under the rug right and all of a sudden you trip over it and you're like oh yeah there's something there and then you lift it up and you're like oh my gosh what has been going on here and it's a huge betrayal so i try to encourage couples not to do that and to be open and upfront from the beginning so that you can both tackle it as a team but the fact that the reason why i think it's an infidelity and, and the reason that it feels that way is because it doesn't matter if it's a third person or, or a third party of some sort, like a, a you know hidden account. What's happening is you don't feel like you are a player in your own relationship. You're not the primary role in the relationship because your partner is having this special secret relationship with X and xyz whatever that is and that's what makes people feel threatened and that's what makes them feel insecure and unsafe so if you can share it all up front and then say okay can you help me with this your partner's going to feel much better than if three years down the road you've created this debt or you've created this secret you know that's just building and building and then they have to look back and say my goodness you have been lying for three years how do i trust you 
Don't, yes, I mean, you have the most amazing job. I, I'm with you. I, I would love, love the psychology of people coming yeah. in, right? And all their fucked up issues. Like, I would just be like, oh, sit down. What have we got today? <laughs> but doesn't it always come back to your childhood? And this is what I feel like, because, you know, my husband and I have been in emotional cognitive couples therapy for probably like two or three years. And I swear to God, I tell AJ this, I tell everybody this, you should do it before you get married. It completely saves our marriage because it truly becomes all about transparency. We cry every session you go back to why emotionally digging deep why you do the things you do um and sadly so few people do it right you know they don't put the work in because it's really emotionally draining to dredge up this stuff Mm -hmm. but i find doesn't it always come back to your childhood and to me that's so loaded right it's so it's like some of us get the dice of great parents others don't yeah. Well, just to go back a little bit, I don't tend to relish in other people's effed up problems. Like that's that doesn't actually like make that means you're an actual good therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I mean, I don't care how wild it is or how different it is in my own experience. It's not like I'm ever like, oh, the weirder the better, or oh, that must be right. no. Because the truth is, the people who are coming into me, they're in pain. Right. Like this, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is serious stuff, and and it. For a lot of time, for a lot of people, it's going to impact more than just the people in the room forever, especially those who have children or who have dependents or who have jobs that are, you know, going to be affected and impacted. So I take it very seriously, but I do love a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why, like, I, I, that's why I love being a part of Married at First Sight, because this is such a unique challenge. There are very few people in the world that can say that they've gone through something like this. Um, And there are obviously other franchises that do things really differently in other parts of the world. So even just the U.S. version is really unique. So I love the challenge that these couples face because everybody's so different and and you don't even know what it is until it happens. So it's it's you know, I mean, with the couples that I see on in my private practice from all over, there are certain patterns that I can see that I can. And that's what makes me very effective is I can say, I know where this is going. Let's try this first instead of waiting six months to come around to the same thing. I'm like, I got this. Let's see. And I could be wrong. It's not like I, it's a perfect, you know, kind of straight line, but I can see patterns. Now, going back to those patterns, some of them are childhood issues yeah, and the issues that that are coming up. And I can't say it's bad parenting, so to say. I think it's just, I mean, I'm a parent, so it's hard to kind of vilify myself, but, uh, (laughs) but I, I think that for sure, I'll say the pattern that I notice the most that creates adulthood issues is inconsistency in parenting. Okay. Okay. So if you're not, if you're not, uh, as a, as a, whether you're a single parent or, you know, co-parents, if you aren't consistent, you, you aren't creating the ability for a child to see that A plus B equals C. It's A plus B equals C plus D, A plus B equals F. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and that's where you're just kind of get people who are all over the place, emotionally, physically, financially, all of those things. So I would say if you had inconsistent parents who you could not count on, um, who didn't teach you life lessons that actually mm. last and, and that you could see kind of last a long time. Um, Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right? You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, 
or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it, slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it up into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Ten years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser show sent you. Those are the people that tend to struggle in relationships the most. And I mean, that's just kind of off the top of my head. Obviously, there are lots of other things, sure. but as far as childhood issues, for sure. And of course, if there's trauma um, in childhood, and I do believe that that people who experience trauma of all sorts are really trying to reset and uh, rewrite their stories throughout the rest of their lives. And you know, for some people, they're able to do that very quickly in early adulthood. For others, it's a lifelong journey to try to rewrite that, that trauma. Um, one last question that comes up for our listeners fairly often is open marriages. And I think mm-hmm. it's been talked about a lot recently because of Will and Jada, although they say that they do not have an open relationship, but it's certainly gotten that conversation back on the table. Do open relationships work? The short answer is yes, they work, but they work for such a unique type of individual and couple (laughs) that it's not something that anyone can just try. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to cut my bangs. You know, like, no, you don't. (laughs) We, a lot of us, I did not do that this time, but um, I I definitely thought about it. Um, I got the clip-ins instead. I'm going to try those soon. I just got advertised that. Yes, I'm I'm thinking about that too. (laughs) So this is the thing about open marriage. It takes so much preparation, discussion, negotiation, ongoing negotiation that for a lot of people, they're not willing to do it and they're not willing to do it right, quote unquote. Um, And for those people, it is a terrible experience. Um, There is so much, you know, I guess, up and down and back and forth. And it, it doesn't feel good. So then 
they just end up either leaving each other or staying together and they're unhappy. But there are lots of couples that come to see me who want to try to figure out if an open marriage is something that they should even bother um, entertaining. And some of them will say yes after doing some work with me and others will say, oh, we had no idea (laughs) what it entailed. So uh, yeah, no, I know myself that's not going to work. Oh, it's fascinating work that you do and so important because oh. we really all need help. And I, I think relationships, really? if you can have a healthy, wonderful, long-term relationship, it's amazing. But it's definitely a lot more work, I think, than we are sold in mainstream media. You know, I think everybody thinks it's supposed to be easy breezy. You meet this great partner. They just enhance yep. your life every day. It's like, sort mm. of, but you got to put a lot of work in. <laughs> You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't spend that time laying the foundation so that you can build on that so that who you are is someone who can shine in a relationship. That's probably the majority of what the experts try to do on Married at First Sight is we try to help them to build a foundation. We do not ever. I mean, OK, I'll speak for myself. I don't ever expect it to be a home run within the um, the term of the experiment and the process like we're is looking way past that. I want them to five years down the road, be happy as clams. Like that's what I want. But as far as what happens within that timeframe that you see as a viewer, I'm just hoping that they'll lay a foundation and that they'll respect each other and that they'll start to build trust. Anything more than that, I'm like, go. That is awesome. I'm so happy for them. I love what you said too about shine, you know, finding a relationship where you can shine, you know, boy, that is like, if you can get that because boy, relationships can put your light out or really amplify it. Season 11 of Married at First Sight is underway in New Orleans. Who are some of your couples that you're like loving following right now? I know you love them all, but is there a couple couple of couples (laughs) you're like really Really rooting for? So I won't give anything away ever because I do not do spoilers. (laughs) I love surprises. I love to, I love to even follow the show as if I were a fan and didn't really know. So I, I watch every episode as if I don't know what's ultimately going to happen. And what I love about it and what the couples that I'm seeing right now, I love that Woody and Imani went from everyone thinking Woody is not ready to be married to as of this episode that's most recent to seeing him really like put that husband jacket on and you know button it up and he is like going for it so I love it when when people when fans of the show see that there are different facets to these individuals because they aren't one note certainly not at the beginning I mean we're seeing all I mean it's only a, it sounds like it's crazy, but it's only a two hour episode every week. And Great. everybody's like two hours. That's so long. But when you have five couples and you're really invested in yeah. love and seeing what happens, it's like, I want more. Right. <laughs> so and Lord, I'm like they're secretly to- hoping that they will have <laughs> more episodes a week. But I they're don't know. trying to get married on national TV. Give them two hours. We need I mean, come on. <laughs> Right, um, right. Dr. Viviana, you're amazing. Your your oh. your Instagram is really fun, um, and obviously you're terrific on the show. It, the show is such a hit, and people love like following that. Uh, next time you come on, I want to get into. You've got your own Dr. Viviana method apparently for your clients, so I want to know more yeah. about that next time. Yes, but, yeah. Well, and just as a quick kind of like overview, the work that I've done with couples, I've been a therapist since 2003. I finally was like, you know what? I, and actually it was one of Dr. Pepper's suggestions because we're all very close behind the scenes. And she said, you know, you already have a method. Why don't you put it online for people? Why? Cause not everybody's going to be able to see you in your office. And I'm like, right. she's absolutely right. I mean, I have my license in California. Now I'm working on my license in New York because we're able to do everything virtually. Why not? Right. And, and she so said, true. why don't you put something that you don't have to lead, but that is all of your brainchild into, into different programs. And I was like, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And people I know can find that at Dr. Or Viviana is your Instagram, but what is one of your sort of, I use the word patented, but one of your very specific things that's part of the method? Yeah. In every program that I, I want everyone to start off by asking themselves, would you want you? Hell yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's so 
Oh hey, my God. And, and that's awesome because guess what? If you say yes, you need to prove to yourself why. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and, and if you need to take a step and, and take three seconds to think about it and say, hmm, maybe. And then you have other people who will think about it and they will just realize like, oh, maybe me six months ago or maybe six months from now, but right Uh, now I need to work on this and this and this in order to be my best self in order to have Uh, somebody else want me. Um, You know, so it's not to build insecurity. It's just to build self-reflection and and knowledge so that you can be ready and confident because confidence is the most attractive thing, not arrogance, um, but confidence is super attractive and it helps to keep that security in a relationship. So if you're not confident about yourself, ask yourself, would you want you and figure out where you need to work on things. And I have the vivid relationships community online. And so that those are the things that I'm helping people with is for those of you who are struggling with that question, would you want you, I give you very concrete ways to work through those issues so that you can be ready for your next love, maybe of your lifetime. That's such great advice. Okay, Dr. V, though, we do want to ask you a bunch of sex questions because our audience is super open. And and you you say you get a ton anyway, of course, probably everywhere you go. But, you know, obviously we talk about orgasming on this show a lot. Tell me this, why, and I know this is a loaded question, but why in general do a lot of women have a hard time having an orgasm? So first of all, if they've never really understood how the sexual response cycle works for women... Um, they're already at a disadvantage. If they're only focused on their physical anatomy and how it responds to stimulation, they're missing out on what I believe is like 99% of an orgasm and that is arousal and that's mental too. So I think a lot of women just are sticking with the physical and not really working on the emotional or psychological and that's where they miss out on orgasms. And you say like the psychological, there's so many things you can be doing, right? Reading erotica, you highly recommend, which was highly recommend. I never because thought of that. Well, see, for a lot of women, as much as they say men are visual, I think we are too. And we get turned off by things pretty quickly. And there's a lot to be turned off with. I mean, I'm not going to poo-poo all pornography, but you can really look at certain things in pornography and be like, oh, no, too sweaty. Yes. Too, uh, <laughs> But the weather, I mean, uh, that position, the the hair, I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can look at. And depending on what your own preferences are, you can be like turned off by 99% of the things on the screen. But with erotic literature, there's first of all, there's so many genres out there when it comes to this and so many different things that you can really like try out in your brain without even have to having to do anything in person but what i love about it is that we can use our own imaginations which means we can use our own preferences as to what is attractive what is sexy what is cute what feels good all of those things and you just it lives in your brain so you're just getting more bang for your buck if you're reading erotic literature now you also say relying on vibrators or toys too much is like not a good idea it's not a good idea mainly because you are you're training your body to respond to something that doesn't exist in real life. Your partner's anatomy, whether you're female or male partner, is never going to be able to vibrate at that rate. It just isn't. So if you're getting your body trained to respond to vibration in terms of that's how you get off and that's how you experience pleasure, you're doing yourself a disservice, but also you're making it to where partnered experiences don't match up to that. So while I'm great with people, you know, with women using vibrators, men using vibrators, however they want, I just recommend that if you're struggling to get that result that you're looking for without a vibrator, really try to work on only using it once out of every five masturbatory experiences. In your experience, bringing a vibrator into the bedroom and having your partner use it, do you think that they feel bad or do you have to preface the conversation, right? Because they're like, oh, my penis isn't good enough for you or my fingers aren't good enough, right? Or, so how do you bring up the conversation of let's introduce vibrators into our our sex life? Well, ultimately, I would hope that no one feels intimidated by experiencing adult accessories in the bedroom, but only you know that about your partner or only you know that about yourself. If it's something that does create a sense of intimidation or a sense of insecurity, um, disappointment, whatever it is, it's up to you to speak up and say, oh, gosh, well, 
I, I would love to to have this be something that I can do for you. Um, but meanwhile, while I'm learning, show me how you like for me to use this accessory on you. Like, I, I just think a lot of people don't talk about it. And so it's yeah. kind of this like elephant in the room and, and you're like, oh, I, I don't, I, you feel guilty. And then they feel kind of weird about it. I, I love open communication. I think couples who have open sexual communication tend to have the best sex lives. Um, and, and that includes not just the positive, but also the negatives, the, those feelings like things aren't going well. That's when you right. really need communication is when things aren't going well. And that's when if you can't work through that alone, you should seek a certified sex therapist such as myself. Okay, we have this debate a lot on the show ongoing about men going down on women as much as women go down on men. Why do you think a lot of men do not like to go down on women? Admittedly, these straight guys or I guess not that it matters if they're straight or bi or whatever, but you mm-hmm. hear that is an issue that we talk about a lot on this show and we hear from women. Um, gosh, without really knowing who it is, and there's there's a few reasons that I can think of. It may resonate with some people, it may not. But one is um, that for men, and again, healthy men, um, <laughs> It's kind of a sure thing that they will experience. Uh, again, everybody's right. different, and I can't. Sure. I, I tend to overgeneralize in podcasts and interviews because I can't talk about every single type of, of um, kind of subgroup. But for most men, it is typically a sure thing that it will bring them to orgasm through oral stimulation. For a lot of women, it's not. And the reason I say that is because depending on if it's a new partner or even an older partner, somebody who they've had a lot of experiences with, there may be um, there may be the pressure to orgasm um, or the pressure to orgasm quickly or the pressure to like get it over with or whatever it is. And for a lot of women, if you are experiencing pressure during a sexual experience, it turns you off. And so it's an uphill battle and you feel like, oh my gosh, this is taking the taking me forever right and then all of a sudden you're like uh this doesn't feel good anymore because you know it can become oversensitive and that happens for men too but it does happen for a lot of women the other thing is that i hate it and and this is i hate that this is a fact of life for so many women a lot of women reject their vulva a lot of women aren't proud of and don't feel like oh you know check out my hair check out my vulva no they're they're just not (laughs) as proud of it and right. they feel insecure about it. So any time that's spent, um, you know, down there, quote unquote, they feel insecure about, they feel uncomfortable with, well, that is not sexy and that's going, that's not going to bring them to orgasm. So then they're like, let's just skip it all together. And then you have women who absolutely know that it will get them there and it will absolutely feel pleasurable whether they orgasm or not, because it's still pleasurable for them. It doesn't have to equal orgasm in order to be worth it. But they, their partner may say, oh, gosh, well, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. Or, you know, it seems like every time after you orgasm, you're like done and it's a no fly zone because you're too sensitive. So there's just these so much unspokenness yes. when it comes to oral sex. It, well, and judgment too, right? Because I think, too, like you said, I mean, you hate it, but there's so many like gender roles that come into play. Like men kind of grow up to some degree expecting it, you know? So there's like that expectation. But then I think the, I, I've also heard this, and I'm curious your fascination. I've talked to women who have dated men who met, these guys want some sort of backdoor play, right? Either like pegging or they want something like that. And they have a very hard time doing that thinking like, well what else is this guy into you know and it's like how do you make people feel comfortable like with women also taking feedback from guys that they want certain things like that to me is so fascinating it's funny because that is a pattern that I've noticed that there are women who feel like they're willing to kind of open the faucet just slightly but they're concerned that their partner is then going to go like full force and it's just going to like and oh, all of a sudden we're into this and this and that and that and that. And you go from being vanilla to like super rocky road and right. just like all over the place. Again, yeah. what I have found is that with conscientious male partners, male sexual partners, they don't want to rush into anything like that. That isn't necessary. They don't want to overwhelm their partner. Mm. They want to just be able to explore. It's kind of like if you 
married someone who doesn't enjoy traveling. Okay, so maybe telling them we're going on a one month tour of Australia. In, in your mind, if you love to travel, you're like, awesome. You can always surprise me with stuff like this. This is amazing. But if you're that partner who isn't even into like travel to begin with, maybe the question is, instead something more like hey let's take a three-hour drive to the neighboring city and go explore downtown Mm -hmm. and what i think we have to remember is then you can do another road trip and then you can try another close place like there is so much to explore sexually that is within whatever boundaries you have you don't have to imagine that Every single time you have a sexual experience, it needs to be hanging off the friggin' chandelier. Like it does not have to be that way. Yeah. But however, their partner who is into trying new things is communicating. The person is getting the message. You know what? It's never going to be enough, and we're always going to have to do something, you know, different and and more challenging and more kind of out there, so to say. And that's where instead of just saying like, "Look, I'm willing to try this," but please don't push me every single time to try something new. Like, let's just see what happens with mutual pleasure for this experience. But a lot of times they're just worried it's going to be like all of a sudden. Open the the floodgates and yeah, I'm going to have to lock you up in leather. And yes, it's going to be. And even if they do want to explore in those ways, they'll hold back thinking, yeah, but you know, it's always just going to go there and go there and they're going to want more and more and more. And a lot of women say that about um, giving oral sex on men. So fellatio, a lot of women will say, well, I only do it like two or three times a year because if not, he's going to want it all the time. And I'm like, how about you let him know? No, I I don't want to do that now. Let's try something else. Or how about, how about you just share what you just shared with me so openly, which is you're worried that if you do that, more than ABC anniversary, birthday, and Christmas. Right, um, <laughs> right. That, that they're going to want more and more and more. And I just, I, I wonder why they're so open with me, but they can't be that way with their Tell partner. That, yeah. Tell us like <laughs> the biggest sex question that you that you get, like that you see you repeating. What is it? Yeah. And again, it's not anything like woohoo, something you're going to read in like Cosmo or it's going right. to be a movie made out of it. Because again, it's it's just very real and very realistic. And that's, when there are two people who are very much in love, very much respect and see a future together, but they just cannot seem to get into the sort of sex life that they feel is really satisfying. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one person typically will have a lower sex drive than the other. Low sexual desire is by far the most um, prominent thing that I work with on a daily basis. And I have a program about you know that and and I try to do as much work as I can because I truly believe that everyone is going to be at a different level of sexual desire especially if you have a job have kids have any health issues deal with stress I mean like there's always going to be a difference and a discrepancy in your sexual desire levels but it doesn't have to break you up Mm, that is a good one. That is so good. Different sexual drive. I never would have guessed that in a million years. Oh, how do you- I, get, I get some funny and weird ones too. You know, I get people who are like, you know, if I, what is, what is the latest one? Oh, I bet gotten? you get, yeah. I'm sure so many I, DMs too. I get things that crack me up and, and that's okay. I mean, it, not because I don't think it's real. I just think like, why would you think that reaching out to me, <laughs> like, I can't help you. You know, there are people who are, we're like, I love to, um, oh, people who love to shave like all over and then they'll put oil all over and then put like a, you know, plastic sheets down and they'll just like wrestle all over and they're like, is that okay? I'm like, yes, it's okay. <laughs> if you guys like, like that, if you like, go for it's it. It's just funny because people, I don't know what they're expecting me to say. They're certainly not going to shock me because I've been doing this for way too long to get shocked. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you just kind of wasted your own time. You're having a good time. Of course it's okay. And it's consensual and it's sane and it's safe. Shave your bodies, oil up and roll away. (laughs) Yes. So when you go home, do you have to turn off doctor mode for a little bit just to be just your own wife and own person for your husband? Or do you come home and you talk about things that you've had? Now it's obviously confidential, but will, will you take ever take your work home with you? Or is that not healthy? 
Um, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I don't feel like I have. A, well, that's not true. I think the people around me would say that I definitely have like an like on screen therapist hat and then I have you know kind of my own I'm, I'm kind of just crazy and all over the place I, I really I, I just want to have fun like yeah I wish I had known this was super casual I would have been with my cap on like I, I, mean, oh, I have yes. I'll start telling Paria we, we are so we are so chill oh my god and as you know like we curse and we like oh my god we we have a blast yeah so um well, yeah I mean they're really as far as the work that I do with couples and then what I bring home my husband's the one that typically because people ask him that what's it like being married to a relationship with sex therapist does it drive you crazy just like with anyone else absolutely there are times where i drive him crazy but he says that the main benefit of being married to someone who does this for a living is that we tend to see issues from a mile away yeah so we can deal with them you know a lot sooner because there is that's that's the main thing that i kind of bring into my own relationship is that we can't let things just kind of lie. You've got to work through things as they come, because guess what? Around the corner, there's something else to work on and something else and something else and something else. And before you know it, you you do need, you know, some serious help or you end up divorced. So I right. think that that's the main thing. Oh. You've got to come back on. I've yes. got follow up questions. <laughs> AJ <laughs> needs to become a client. And I, I mean, you're probably yeah. booked, though, right? Do you even take on? Or, or I do. Local. I'm so fortunate that virtually I'm able to see so many more clients than I ever have in the past. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my, my timing is kind of all over the place, but I'm, I'm really fortunate at, I, I am pretty booked, but I'm always willing to bring someone on, especially if, um, if, if there's somebody who has really wanted help and, and needs it, I'm, I'm all for it. But what's fortunate for me is that I have a staff at Houston Relationship Therapy, my private practice, and you can find them at HoustonRelationshipTherapy.com. They're all handpicked therapists that I train myself who have worked with me for years and years, who are certified sex therapists. You can basically see everyone that I'm not able to see for whatever reason, whether it's scheduling, finances, whatever, I have a wonderful staff that's just ready to take them on, and they do. Oh, my God. Yes, definitely having you on again. Well, Dr. Viviana, <laughs> thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. Um, and thanks for watching the show. Yes. So Season 11 is so much. underway right now of Married at First Sight in New Orleans. Okay, we will see you th soon. Thank you, Dr. Viviana. Thank you. Thank you.